we could all just um, close our eyes for just a second and we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit come and be a part of this presentation. We thank, we thank God for the opportunity to connect our hearts together and to understand how this one infinite reality of love not only is true in a, in a sense of being bigger than us, but it's also true in the sense of being right smack dab in the middle of our lives. And today we ask that the Holy Spirit come inside me and get rid of anything of my own personal baggage that doesn't need to be there, but allows the Spirit um, to come in and through. And we thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm going to open up my screen and we are going to make it more interactive today. And I appreciate that invitation. So let me um, do a slideshow. Present. Okay. All right. So we're going to call this um, Anchored Self, the Universal Christ, Part 3, the Anchored Self and the Floating Self. Learning how to drop into our life's situations with serenity, courage, and wisdom. Serenity, courage, and wisdom. Okay. Does anybody know where that serenity, courage, and wisdom comes from? It's a certain prayer. From the Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. How does it go? Does anybody know? It says, uh, give me the courage accept the things that I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference or something like that. Give me the serenity to accept the things serenity. that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic in my past, by the way. I just know that because <laughs> it's a famous thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I love the wisdom to see the difference. Man, that's amazing. Well, I think that if we can learn to embody that prayer, uh, that is the anchored self. Mm -hmm. The serenity to change, to, to accept the things that I cannot change. Mm -hmm. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that just a deep, deep prayer? Yeah. Yeah. So I cannot change here. <laughs> okay, so we had this is um the first part of this is a little bit of a review of last time. Um, the pattern of transformation. Um, metanoia is resurrection. So what does metanoia mean? Do you remember from last time? Yeah. Wasn't it to change, like to transform? That's right. That's right. Meta means change, um, grow, expand. <clears throat> and noia is the mind, which is understood as putting the mind in the heart. So you, a mind in the heart is something that is, you are trying to understand it, but with an equal level of um, reason plus compassion. You know? Um, and so, the, the idea is that when we go from the old room into liminal space, and liminal space always feels like a crucifixion. Now notice um, the crucifixion, the, the imagery of it is where, you know, Jesus is on his hands, or I'm sorry, his hands are nailed to the cross of, of life. Um, and it's, it's a 180 degree hug. <laughs> It's a 180 degree reception of reality as it is. Totally naked and vulnerable upon the cross of our vulnerability. And it's where you can't do, where you feel like you've lost power in something, um, or maybe you've tried to control things in the past and you realize, however I've tried, doesn't work. So. This time, I'm just going to hold myself up here with the not knowing. And then what happens is, is that when we learn to live in liminal space with depth and integrity, we end up living into a new room. 
and the new room is not something we can force it's not something we we can create because if we could it would not be a new room it would be some version of the old room because <laughs> we always go back to how what we're comfortable with you know um, the new room is always something that we're surprised about and it also is a new level of you like the butterfly is a new level of the um, caterpillar it's a new level of you where you can see things differently even even like if you could talk to yourself even just a few months earlier that self and you would but there was like a before and after because now you're seeing things that that self didn't see so let me just pause right there and see how that resonates Well, anybody wants to share a little bit of an experience? Um, I was just wondering why the Star of David is like a Jewish thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Jesus was a Jew, but... Jesus was a Jew. Uh, but also, <clears throat> if you recall, maybe from the first session, we had talked about how this Taurus, this going up and then coming back down, this up and coming back down, that actually is the shape of reality. And if you were going to put that in a two-dimensional uh, format, it is the Star of David. And what's interesting is, um, uh, what's really cool is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, that is where God proclaims who God is and God said I am who am or I am that I am you know, depending depending on the translation uh, reality itself I am reality itself and that reality itself is this outward movement this inward coming in love expands love comes con contracts and uh, but the only way that this expanding happens and this coming in happens is through the dying and rising of your of your own life. That's why there's a cross in the middle of it. You see. Um, okay. <clears throat> Notice too that the the uh, biblical story of the resurrected Jesus, the body of Jesus comes out of the tomb with wounds. Mm -hmm. That is so, so powerful. Why, why do you think that it is a wounded Christ that we encounter as a risen Christ? Okay, why? Why the wounds? For people like Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, to remind us, of, like it's like a scar you carry with you because you come out changed. Not the same. And you will always remember what got you there, too. In other words, think in your own lives. I invite you to think in your own lives of when you may have been feeling pain and gone through the liminal space of your life, um, something you wouldn't have chosen, but nevertheless happened to you. Uh, and you come out into the new room, but you always remember what got you there. So like you'll hear, for example, you'll hear people who are alcoholics saying, I never, ever would have chosen to lose everything. You know, my wife, my kids, I never would have chosen to all that. But I but it's I, I can safely say on this side, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Like you, also you forgive, but you don't forget. Um, yes. In this, but not forget. We don't not forget because we're wanting to have revenge or something. It's it's just no. that it's it's there. It's there, and they also say that like if you were to break a bone, um, that break breaking in your bone, of course, is very painful and, and horrible. But after the body starts to heal itself, and then when it's fully healed, uh, the calcium and all of that of the place of the broken area is actually stronger than the bone. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So the place of the break, the wounds, is the place of the great strength. This is one of the greatest 
parts of the Christian message is, is that we are not to fear having the breaking happening to us, even if it's so uncomfortable, but there's a part of us below that fear that says, I've been through the cycles of the old room, liminal space, new room enough times. And um, actually that's where we're going right now. So um, let's look at this. The pattern of transformation is three steps forward, two steps back, and the new room becomes the new old room. Why is that? Well, that's how growth happens. It's we're in the old room, we go through liminal space, we arrive in the new room, the new room of who we are, and then eventually what happens? We, we get used to that. Yeah, we get used to the new room and that becomes actually a new old room. <laughs> it becomes uh, the, the new who we are, but then you know the Holy Spirit is always pulling us forward, always mm -hmm. pulling us forward. You can almost picture the Holy Spirit almost being like a magnet right here, smack dab in the middle of the edge of the new room, call, mm -hmm. calling us forward. So once we get flushed in and then we come around the other side and then we start over, but the pattern is not cycling uh, where you're stagnant. You know, it's not like a treadmill where you're not you're running, but you're not going anywhere. It's more of a climbing a mountain where it's real slippery. And so you'll, you'll go three steps forward and it's like, oh, crap, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. And, you know, I, I in my own life and then with clients, you'll see that they start excited. You know, they take these three steps forward in their life, like, wow, things are really cooking and changing. And then they'll come back two weeks later. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm horrible. I did the exact same things. I'm right back where I used to be. Uh, and after a few questions, I'm able to show them, no, you're not. You are two steps back, but look, you see, like there's, there's a little bit of progress here. And then over time, the three steps forward, two steps back. But, you know, after a few months, it would be like this. If you were to put the two steps back over three step over a few months is going to be like this. If, you know, the, the baseline where you started and then where you're currently at, there's a large difference. Can anybody... Um, resonate to that or see how that might have been true in your life where you do the three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's relevant everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Exercising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spouse. Relationships, yeah. Spousal growth. And you know, now that Allegra and I were working on our business plan, I think in our business or your career as you Douglas, going back and review what you thought was your perfect mission, vision, or prime directive, and you read it again, and then you realize, no, we need to change a little things, you no, know? and then you feel like, oh, let's move to a little three steps forward than last year, and you feel like, wow, this is much better, right? But you need to sit down and really see what happened and to verbalize it and acknowledge it otherwise maybe you don't even realize that you're up and if you sleep it's okay but you're already not going to go back 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 down yeah and we have to learn to trust the going back 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 down because yeah. if you want to think of it this way if a grasshopper is going to jump <laughs> grasshopper has to be on the ground, you know, to crouch up, get ready, and then boom. So this, the, the point of the down, 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 the two steps down, is actually to land on the ground and then jump it's back up. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we do have faith that we are moving in a trajectory. So just to read these words here, um, trust, trust the pattern of loss and renewal. And we can have gratitude even in times of struggle. Why? Because we have been through the old room, liminal space, new room cycle enough times in our lives 
that even when we're smack dab in the middle of liminal space, we can say, and I do this, I do this myself, um, even when I'm feeling a certain feeling of feeling uncomfortable or uncertain, or I know that I'm in liminal space, I will say to God, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Um, and in times of, let's say, heartbreak, you can say, my heart is breaking open. My heart is breaking open. It's breaking open to let something else new in so that it can expand. See that? Uh, this is what it would look like if we were going to put that, um, the, <clears throat> what do you call it? The um, Taurus in here, you know, the coming out of the new room right here in the center and then it goes all the way around and comes back in the old room and it's just the cycle continues. Uh, so this is what it looks like in a consciousness level. If you can see it here, we start, I just have the colors like this just to show a, kind of the colors of the rainbow gradations um, of consciousness. But let's say we start life off down here at the bottom in red and in the pattern of three steps forward, two steps back, you know, the pattern of learning to and leaving our old, our, our um, old room into liminal space and into the new room, we slowly move up this spiral, you see. But notice the spiral. Uh, can anybody see something interesting in the spiral in terms of um, its shape? What do you see here? get longer and longer as you go up and up. That's exactly right. So if you were to look at, if you were to take the spiral and you were to squash it down, so take this all the, you know, or let's say bring this all the way up, the, the red small part all the way up here, and then looked at it, you know, looking at it downward, you would see concentric circles. You would see like a center, and then it would kind of go around and around and around and around and around like a concentric circles. Do you, do you see that in your mind's eye? Um, mm -hmm. Like a target kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the middle, uh, it's not to say that the, the middle is wrong, of course, but it's very small. <laughs> and then there's a concentric circle right outside of that, which is a more expanded view. So that means there had been some dying and rising, some old room, liminal space, new room. And we're, we're seeing things that are the same as the little, the little dot in the middle, but it's, it's also at a bigger place. And then the next one is even bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's called metanoia. And that means we're expanding our ability to see reality, see ourselves, see um, reality, and being able to put the brokenness and wholeness of our life together. You hold them together as a paradox. In other words, I, I can say I am an insecure, anxious person on one hand. Um, I don't like that about myself, but, you know, I don't know how to get past that. So let's just say you have got that, you've got that on one hand. And on the other hand, you can say, but I also know that I am a whole person, that um, Christ is in me, the sense of this universal divine love of the fullness of God dwells within me and in my better times I I know myself as to be gracious and merciful and loving I'm that too and they don't need to get rid of each other you can hold them together <laughs> you see so the more you go up the spiral the more expansive we see ourselves the more um, uh, able we are able to hold tension so here's another example, and you, I'm gonna, this is a question. How have you, as business people, able to hold the, the two things of being in the world and of finance and money and making money for yourself and seeing it as your vocation where you can help others understand money and live from a place of open-heartedness? How does that reality feel to you? Uh, I think for me for 20 years really seeing people are not happy really they're not happy and I was like what do you mean 
you have everything everyone is chasing and now you're chasing what other people <laughs> with not money they have right so it's kind of a untangible thing what is really make you happy that you cannot buy with money faith health love but money scares you because you need to pay the bills and the marketing out there it makes you thinking that your value is only the amount of stuff you have right what was your like exact question again, Doug? How are you able to hold the tension between being in a like making money for yourself, like being okay with income, and within the finance sector, um, giving back to the world, helping other people uh, open their hearts, like using your jobs as a way to connect with people at a, at a deeper level. How does that work for you? Yeah. Um, it's definitely uncomfortable in the beginning, mm -hmm. but then the higher you climb the little staircase here, um, the easier it gets. So, um, it's an easier balance now than it was in the beginning. But the stronger you grow in your faith and the more that you care about people, then the easier it gets to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a tension. Um, but it also doesn't promise us in the Bible that it will be easy to talk about these things, yeah. that you will be persecuted, that you will be, you know. Um, so it's, it's hard, but your faith has to be stronger than the feeling of uh, the hurt or the feeling of love overpowers the feeling of awkwardness or, um, you know, pain or sure. whatever. But yeah, it's, it's a balance. It's hard, but it's gotten much easier over the years. And, and, and then, I, you know, really quick, how, you know, Douglas Farno asked us to really accept our calling and honor the purpose for doing this career mm -hmm. and share it with the world. So when the tension comes, our purpose and our conviction is so strong where we don't have a doubt that we want to experience, you know, change people's lives or you know, show people finances to be good towards that becomes easier and easier. And then we need to attract the type of people that is kind of in the same synergy and be able to identify that not everybody is going to be attracted to our calling but it's okay beautiful that's it and you don't have to hate people who are hating on you <laughs> the persecutors uh forgive them father for they know I, not what they do i know i always say that it's okay they don't know what they're missing there you go yeah uh great so let's move on to this anchored self floating self so can you um Let's spend just a few seconds here and people describe what they see. Wow. Well, I like how the, um, the bottom circle is like expansive mm -hmm. and like radiating. And then the top circle seems to be like it spirals. If you look at the top circle carefully, it actually looks like it's a vortex going downward yeah. and in. Funny how we all look different. I thought the bottom was an explosion and the top is whatever came out of that big boom. Yeah. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. I saw that too. I saw a bunch of tiny particles exploding in one big ball of light. But for me, I know that God is all those tiny particles and he creates everything. Yeah. So this... I, I, see, I see more the, 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 the energy up downstairs yeah. than in the bottom is so strong that is just attracting the colors more and more and more. And then the little spiral is because 
the gravitation or the attraction of the light is so strong that it's pulling down the colors. Oh, that's so great. This is perfect. That's exactly it too. So let's look but at, also, uh, oh, go ahead. Also all the little things on the outside and oh my gosh, okay, that's what I was going to say. All those little tiny things. It looks like people that are just trying to get into the, uh, you know, or it just looks lost, all the little things on the outside, but you're getting to it. Yeah, you're, you're very, you're very right. All of those things are really great. That's the great thing about art too. So we're going to call this a uh, golden yellow large sphere here. We're going to call it the universal Christ. Okay. We're going to call it reality itself. That is love that has a center that has, remember this coming out like this, like that. Um, your anchored self is your true self. This is your anchored self. This is who you really are. This is who you are hidden in Christ with God. Sorry, uh, what is it? Hidden in God with Christ. <laughs> or hidden in Christ in God. Ah, I'll have to look that up. And St. Paul says it. But um, this is your anchored self. Uh, the very center of it and the center of God. It's, it's almost like the same thing that's repeating where this center here is actually the center there. The center of the floating self, we'll talk about in a second, is like a vortex. It drains into and emerges out of the, the anchored self. Um, and, your, and God, the universal Christ here, is uh, our very center and the very center of Christ, the same center. And um, there was a famous Catholic saint, St. Catherine of Genoa, was condemned as a heretic at first and then she was canonized as a saint many hundreds of years later but she would go around she had this experience and she would go around italy and say my deepest me is god my deepest me is god um and she had this intuition that her deepest self her anchored self the very center of the anchored self and god there was no difference it was a unitive consciousness and uh, that is our truth. That is our, our deepest self and God. It's kind of like if you take two metals, two metals, and you um, put, you know, you, uh, what is it called? Where you uh, put them together with fire. Um, wheel, uh, weld. You weld oh, them weld. together. Welding. Yeah. <laughs> if you take two metals and you weld them together, then even at the molecular level, you can't tell where one metal ends and one metal begins. They're fused forever. See? The floating self is um, the false self. And the floating self is up there floating around. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> it's the self, and we're going to get into this in the next slide, the different characteristics between the anchored self and the floating self, because if we can get a sense of the different characteristics, and uh, if I could reuse that word, the energetics, the energy feel of the difference between anchored self and floating self, then that is so helpful. And that's what I often do with my clients in counseling is, uh, and myself personally, is to, how can I feel what the anchored self feels like even in the moments when my floating self wants to take action. Because I can also know what my floating self feels like and, and usually what the games the floating self plays. Because they're very different. The rules are very different <laughs> for, for both the selves. Now, uh, all of these colors around the floating self, as you see, are beautiful, but they're kind of chaotic and random. And uh, we could say that these would be the, the ways our culture has influenced us, familial influences, uh, religious backgrounds, political backgrounds. Um, and you can think of it like the winds of daily emotions that arise in the collective conscious or in your, inside yourself, because today I'm happy, tomorrow I'm sad. Right now I'm insecure, now I'm super confident. You know, all of those things, these are emotions. Emotions aren't bad by any means. But when we become attached to the emotion, 
and mistake that for reality, that's when we get into trouble. Yeah. How does that sit with you so far? And that's so good because, yeah, the outside influences create your sense of reality if you let it. And then your reality, you tell yourself the same story, you know, over and over again every day. And then that becomes this narrative of your life and then you get stuck. And I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> most people, most of their lives are stuck in their floating selves and don't know totally. it. And don't know it. Because if Even we family members that are older, you know, like old people, they're like, oh, I'm, you know, still talking about when they were young and what their dad did to them or, you know, my childhood and all this. And it's like, quit telling yourself that reality. Quit telling yourself the same story right from these outside influences they get stuck absolutely oh go ahead yes Uh uh-huh um is it like the way that you're explaining this is it that you are always in both states but like kind of like both meaning floating and upward and then trying to get to the anchor one or is it that at a moment you will get to be just the anchor so okay like, is there a beautiful in our, just one? isn't it impossible to be in the anchored self all the time like that's jesus that's perfection right well even jesus with the wounds you know yeah um let let me, your question is just absolutely gorgeous okay. Ileana. let me say it this way uh the point of these two selves is to learn to to intentionally embody your anchored self as much as you can and then use your floating self to do good in the world. But you are always both. The problem is, is that for most people, the anchored self is not something they either know about or are, are living from an activation. Um, they're, they, we mistake our identities, who we are by our floating selves definitions, um, our successes, our failures, so on and so forth. But it's, it's always true that the anchored self is us too. We just don't know that until we do, until we're taught, till we learn uh, through life's lessons. And religion is supposed to teach you this. Most of the time, a lot of times though, religion actually, um, because some parts of religion, different levels, you know, the early stage religion is really kind of a floating self model. Uh, it's supposed to get you eventually into the anchored self where Christ in me lives. But at first, um, <clears throat> it's kind of like we are, we are this people and we're going to go out and convert the world exactly how we believe. Uh, it's that's kind of floating self. Um, so we have to be able to live in both the anchored self and floating self. And the more you learn the energetics of the differences of the two, you end up, let's say, for example, you can end up living in your anchored self most of the time, but you'll intentionally use your gifts, uh, which are all floating self stuff, you know, the, the, the way you look or your finances or your material wealth or success or your status in life, um, the roles that you have, you'll use them intentionally to do good in the world, to empower other people. Or you can also use your insecurities. So for example, if you've gone through a hard time in life, you've been there, um, you've been in the liminal space and then you meet somebody that they, you feel like you're being spoken through because you're, you're in your anchored self and God is speaking through you, but you're going to be speaking to the other person using your floating self's experience of pain. And then you give that gift of your own journey through the old room, liminal space into the new room as a witness for hope. Your testimony. Your testimony. Yeah, you just sum summarized everything I tried to say in one word. Thanks. <laughs> is it kind of like, uh, to put it away, like the floating self, is it like when you're acting in your flesh? Super like, 
like Bible, like Bible stuff, like it's like your flesh, and then your anchor salt is like your spiritual. I can't believe you just said that because that's actually the next slide. <laughs> Eliana's like way smarter than all of us. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Let me tell. Let me say out. Let me read to you what you just said. <laughs> So here's some scriptural quotes, um, scripture from St. Paul's letter. The first, I'm going to read uh, three of them. The first one is, live by the Spirit, I say. Oh, let me say this. Anytime you see the word flesh, I want you to insert in your mind floating self. Okay? And anytime you hear the word spirit, insert in your mind um, anchored self. You got it? All right. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. Let me read all three, and then we'll come back, and I'd like to delve in a little bit. Um, if you sow to your own flesh... You will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. And then the last one is from Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the flesh. Of the spirit. Any reactions from that? Yeah, I used to, you know, joking, saying, "I'm letting my life being drive my by my flesh," and or when I feel like more kind, or more patient, or more loving. Or now I'm really letting my life being driven by my spirit. But it's in reality, you know, you go back and forth, back and forth, and having this awareness and this awakening, awakening will help you a lot to be more patient, more loving, more, you know, not taking things personal, more using your sufferings or your trials more like a gift to understand other things. Mm hmm Yeah. Because the, the floating self by itself, it's very fragile, uh, and it is desirous of three things, power, prestige, and possessions. <laughs> it is attached and, and in the service of power, greater power, greater power, prestige, my image is important. I want to be known, loved, fit in, and possessions. Um, and all of these things can be nuanced and expanded in terms of the definitions, but it will always be centered around those three things. And uh, and so here Paul says, you know, if, if you sow to your own flesh, your own floating self's desires, you're going to get corruption because power, prestige, and possessions for their own sake, from seeking their own, for their own sake, will always end up in desiring more power, prestige, and possessions. And the only way you can do that yeah. is through manipulation and control of others. Mm -hmm. That's why it's dangerous. That's why it's corruption. Okay? But if we can live... Uh, you know, live according to the spirit. The spirit is not the absence of the flesh or the floating self. The anchored self and floating self go together. But we learn to live, as I said, from the anchored self more and more once you really get that feeling of the difference between the two. And then, as I said, you use, you can do power, prestige, and possessions, but it's not about you anymore. You see yourself as an instrument of something larger. This, these quotes reminds me remind me of when I learned that we are like my pastor helps you understand that we are like um, 
we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we are actually spiritual beings having a human experience. So if you can understand that you have three parts to you, the mind, or sorry, the soul and the spirit and the body, it helps with the separation a little bit. Um, Beautifully said. And I would say that um, based on our first two talks that we have, particularly our last one, um, based on the last one, we, uh, the first one we talked about is God is experiencing this, this universal reality of coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And you are um, one member of that going out and coming back in. Uh, God is experiencing God's self in and through you. God wants to know what it's like to be God having the experience of Allegra. God wants to know what it's like to be God having the experience of Ileana, you know? Um, and that's how Christ is inside us all the time experiencing what we're experiencing because that's the nature of this reality that we have. This one reality, this one unified reality. And here are two more. Um, and no, no, sorry, what is the difference between spirit and soul? <clears throat> um, I'm trying to come up with an, a quick one, a, a briefer definition. My understanding is soul is... Um, Mind, will, and emotions. That's what I hope. Okay, that's not bad. I think soul for me would be like the anchored self, your anchored self. Okay? And at the depth of your anchored self and the depth of God is the same depth. Uh, spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's, it's um, God's transcendent reality bigger than you that's co constantly inviting you into your own dying and rising, your own dying and rising. So you're caught up in this flow of the Spirit that's constantly introducing to you new ways to grow in love, grow in love um, through your own dying to the old room's needs, to the floating self's needs. So you're rising in liminal space and rising into the new room. So that constant flow of, of outward and then inward motion that we had talked so about. Because the process is our soul that is perfected. And then the spirit is kind of like the fuel that is yeah that's a good way to put it yeah okay so we have in psalms 47 uh chapter 47 verse 7 this is really cool really important so deep but listen to this deep calls unto deep deep calls unto deep what that means is is when you're sitting with somebody and you're having the depth conversation like we are right now all of us here it's my anchored self, my faith is, is at least, is that it's my anchored self uh, is connecting and communicating and dialoguing with your anchored self. And your anchored self is responding to that and then giving its, itself back to me. So it's this flow that's happening and I'm calling towards you and you're calling towards me. And through our mutual relationality, our discussions here, we're creating something that is inspiring to not only us, but whenever you go out into the world and you are living more in your anchored self, you are also setting a, a flame. Other, you're calling other people's anchored selves into fruition, into being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, this is an incredible, incredible uh, saying here. Uh, this comes from John chapter 12, verse 24. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. How does this hit you? It like reminds me of that expansion that happens when we 
go through our liminal space. And the seed, if we don't, if it just stays on the earth and dies, what would that be equivalent to what using the old room, liminal space, new room modality? Like staying in your old room. Exactly. Perfectly said. You die to yourself. That's salvation. You, you die to your floating self's grip on your life. The floating self's desire for power, prestige, and possessions for its own sake, you die to that. That thrusts you into liminal space in your life because pretty much the world is only going to tell you success is what matters. Yeah. <laughs> or they define success in a certain way, let me say. And then when you rise, you bear much fruit. Sometimes it's lonely because you're not going to get a lot of perhaps external affirmation. Uh, I don't remember who it was. One of you said that you might have a lot of older people kind of talking like they were young, always talking about the young when they were young and so on and so forth. It's very true because in our culture, for sure, we have a lot of elderly people, a lot of elderly people, but we have very few elders. Yes. Yeah. And it's so disappointing. It, it's hard. Because, yeah, you, just because people are older doesn't mean they've become elders and that they have wisdom. Doesn't mean they're living from their anchored self at all. Mm-hmm. Because Even our pe- people in your own family. I mean, most of the time. Your own parents. Of course. I think it's because, you know what, older people, they, they are not connected with the next generation. They're not getting it. That is. We're not separated. So it's our, it's our obligation to bring this wisdom, but at the same time, listening to the new people and be connected so and learn from each other. And it's always a constant learning. Instead of thinking, oh, I already live that, I know everything, and you're young, right? No. Even children, they can teach you so much. Yeah. I also think that... Um a lot of people never get into their liminal space and live from a place of transformation because you can be thrust into liminal space, but if we don't learn to listen to our suffering, uh, it, it doesn't mean it's going to lead to transformation. It might lead to where we just come back and uh, return with revengeance, you know? We don't allow our crucifixions to happen. And most of um, so many elderly people, we want to see wisdom from them. But really, when we hear them talking, they're just repeating back the games of the floating self. And they don't know it. They're going to call that wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's it is a sense of it, it's a sadness. You know, if you're in your anchored self, it's yeah. a sadness. But again, you're going to be on the cross with Jesus saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So you can think of the anchored, the floating self as kind of being a vortex um, that draws you down and down and down. The more you learn in um, great love and great suffering, um, the great love in your life where you didn't earn it, um, it was given to you. It's people who see you for who you really are and love you anyways, or your, maybe your relationship with God in some way as, as being um, unmerited mercy and forgiveness and love. Um, but most of the time, it's great suffering is provides the gravity that pulls us down into our floating self so that we come, we kind of get pulled into the, the vortex and then we emerge in our anchored self, you see? So there's this outward movement of the anchored self. Um, And you learn how to do both. You learn how to be both the vortex on the outside (laughs) coming out uh, of the anchored self. You learn that, and you learn how to be in the vortex going on the inside, in the floating self. You do both when you're doing this from a non-dual place. Non-dual doesn't mean nothing. Um, non-dual means living 
in duality from a place of unity. Mm. So you're going to be the f one foot in the anchored self, one foot in the floating self, but you're going to be leaning in the anchored self. If that if that helps you with the visualization. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you trust the pattern of the three steps forward, two steps back, and you know you're doing it right is when you're looking for ways to be of service in the name of love that honors diversity. So let me just stay right there for just a second because oftentimes when people say let's be one or let's we're you we're, you know we're united if you listen to them a little bit about what they mean by united they actually mean uniformity where we all have to feel the same we all have to be the same we all have to think the same and these that's not true right yeah that's more of an echo chamber but they're going to mistake that for unity instead mm -hmm. The anchored self will define unity as diversity, which is maintained and honored by love. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Rohr says that, something like that. Diversity is maintained and honored by love. That it's the very nature of being diverse, that the nature of reality, this great reality we call God, is diversity. Is it not? When we're all different here. Yet, um, uh, my deepest me and your deepest me is the same self, which is this, this reality of love, this God. We're all members in the same body. And you, go ahead. Can I ask you a question, Doug? Yeah. That is really hard in like today's society. When we talk about diversity, um, which I'm very open to diversity and different types of people, but then you get to a point where it's like some stuff is so diverse that it's, it's, you know, especially when you're dealing with children and the workplace that it's, it's like unethical, right? Or it goes against Christianity. And so it's so hard to find, how do you find that balance of like, okay, I'm going to accept this diversity, but you know, I'm also maybe not going to expose my children to it or maybe open that portal that maybe even the enemy is working through you know so finding that balance between accepting and diversity but then also knowing the bible and god is the ultimate truth and the moral compass by which we live our lives right um, okay so i think that's a great question and um it's one in which if you've done this enough times the dying and rising even in your way of knowing the bible even in your way of interpreting the bible which is always going to be interpreted by some outer source, too. I mean, it's not just you reading the Bible, but you're going to be reading the Bible from a particular tradition as well. Um, we all do that. So uh, we have to, once we learn that when we were a certain age, we viewed the Bible as a certain way. When we got older, we could nuance certain things. When we get older and more mature, we can also see um, even greater depth in the Bible. And I say that because you are absolutely, it's imperative that you live to your fullest convictions. You. And, if you're doing the both and here, keep some space inside you of unknowing, of but maybe I'm not seeing something fully either. So I may have to take a stand here because that's what I feel is the right thing to do. But can I have some humility to say, and I'm not full, I fully, I, I may not fully see it either. Um, and I know that that can be a, that's not a black and white answer. And that's something that we could spend an entire session on. But of let me course. give, let me give you an example. Let's say that you were alive in Italy back when Galileo was there. Mm -hmm. And let's say your worldview based on the Bible and your interpretation and all of this um, was 100% that the earth was the center of the universe. Uh, and that you're willing to 
to go down on the mat for that one. Because to challenge that is to challenge absolutely everything you possibly could know in your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but then somebody, Copernicus and Galileo and whatnot, start to offer a different rationale of how things are actually in the cosmos. You know, what does it look like? Well, for most people who couldn't handle the both and, um, you, we end up killing, I think, I can't remember which one we, we put to st the stake. I mean, it was Galileo, we burned him, but, uh, you know, we kill these her so-called heretics, but we didn't have the, the humility to say, this is what I absolutely believe but can I leave space open for me for to grow for a maybe? Yeah. 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 Um, let, let me just spend five more minutes on this and then we'll end and then get connected for next time. The characteristics of the floating self. So I'm going to read these out loud and then I'm going to read the characteristics of the anchored self out loud and then we'll end and you guys can take the, um, uh, I can get the audio back. I can get the audio back to you and you guys can listen to them and then answer the questions on your own time if you'd like between the, you guys, yourselves, okay? So the characteristics of the floating self. Image, identity, roles. It's the part of us that takes offense. It's the part of us that attacks others. It's inherently insecure and fragile. It plays the victim or is the victimizer. Thinks about the past or the future, but it's never in the present. Um, glorifies the past, worries about the future, but is not present. Uh, thinks is resentful, resentment. Um, needy, manipulative. Um, can deceive or exaggerate importance, self-importance for the sake of image, um, is envious or jealous, is disengaged or out of touch, um, is too bold or cowardly, too bold, too confident, or cowardly. Kind of on the side, I don't want to jump in. Um, never satisfied can be authoritarian or machista or machismo uh, passive aggressive numbs out and lastly <clears throat> all or nothing black and white either or because the floating self cannot handle paradox or tension it always tries to resolve the tension immediately but on the other hand, we have the characteristics of the anchored self. So here uh, we have spaciousness, gracious, forbearing. Forbearing means to uh, compassionately endure the moment. Um, centered, patient, courageous. The anchored self is assertive. Not passive-aggressive or aggressive, but assertive. Non-violent. And even when we have to set boundaries with other people, we're doing it from a place of non-violence and compassion. Even if those boundaries have to be strong. Um, temperance. Uh, humble. Joyful. It's in the moment, and it takes small pleasures in the moment. Small pleasures are joyful now. Uh, engages with identity, it engages things, engages life, but has a detachment towards how this, how I feel about myself. So for example, um, you know, you can give a great presentation in front of a bunch of people and you can say, yeah, I, I fully engaged there. I was fully present. It was great. But you also let it go immediately. You're just... I'm detached from that success. That's great. Uh, but it also, if, if you really screwed up, <laughs> you don't have to be attached to the failure either. It doesn't mean you are a failure. Yeah. 
um, can hold paradoxes together. Is the new room. Yeah. And, and it also is crucifixion and resurrection at the same time. That's also the energy of the anchored self. Sees holistically. So Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, putting on the mind of Christ, like an energy blanket, like a, like a coat you're putting on, like putting on the mind of Christ. A helmet. A helmet of Christ, yeah. Where you're seeing the world from, from holi holistic instead of seeing it from a partial place. Um, or also St. Paul says in Galatians, no longer I, but Christ who lives within me. Yeah, that would be, it's no longer I, Doug, my floating self, but it's Christ as the anchored self living in me, through me, outward. Okay? Um, <clears throat> is not afraid of being afraid. You know, put yourself with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, who was certainly afraid, but he wasn't afraid of being afraid. He knew he was in liminal space, and he was about to be, he was starting liminal space, and he was about to be crucified in liminal space. Yeah. Uh, servant leadership, where we, we are leaders in the name of serving others towards their empowerment um, of love that increases their capacity to love. And power in the service of solidarity. How about that? Power. The anchored self knows how to use power in, in the service of solidarity, that we're all walking each other home in our lives. We're all walking each other arm in arm home in our lives. And it, it can feel joy even when you're anxious or sad. There's an underlying level of okayness because you've trusted the dying and rising in your own life so many times. And lastly, it's a way to live contemplatively. Contemplatively means you are living in the world where you just learn how to detach from these things in the world uh, becoming your identity because you know who you are at a deeper level. You know to whom you belong as opposed to trying to fit in everywhere. Fitting in is the, flo the floating self. I have to fit in here versus the anchored self is... I belong to God, to myself already intrinsically, so I don't need to fit in. Um, I already belong. And ironically, that automatically frees you up to fit in. Yeah. Well, okay. thank you. Um, here are the questions, and I'm going to text them. I'm going to copy them uh, and then email them to you. But it's basically in the past week, when were you and your floating self? Um, how or when were you in your anchored self? <clears throat> what does the energy feel like for you when you are in your floating self? How does it feel to be in your anchored self? What are the ways that have helped you move into your anchored self? And lastly, in what ways can you embody your anchored self in more, more in your occupation or in your family life? So these are just good questions to for maybe for you guys to ponder over the course of the week. And I will, again, uh, give them to you in the, in the email. Well, we thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to share um, about uh, how we interpret reality. We know we are already saying it wrongly because no words can fully describe your reality. But we trust and we have faith that our effort mean something and will open us uh, even more in metanoia, the changing of our heart mind so we can love more and more. We thank you for the grace to be here now and for the ability to choose to love in our daily lives. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to do thank Enneagram you. next week. Okay. Oh, we need to take our Enneagram before next week? Uh, sure. It'd be great if you could. Yeah, maybe Are you going to compare our different ones? Say it again. Are you going to compare our different ones? Like Allegra's this and Karen is that and Ileana is that? Um, that will help us a lot. That will help us a lot as a team, Douglas, if we send it to you before and you can give us a little bit of like, like 10 minutes. 
your ten, your team is more like a, a hard team or more like a like a in this. Sure. You know. Yeah. Do that. Uh, I recommend enneagraminstitute.com. Yeah, I think you send the, the, the link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only like $12. Yep. Right? God bless everybody. Okay, thanks, thank you. Dad. Thank you. Bye. Bye.